O Lord, our Maker, Redeemer, and Comforter, we are assembled in your presence to hear your holy word. We pray you to open our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that through the preaching of your word, we may be taught to repent of our sins, to believe on Jesus in life and death, and to grow day by day in grace and holiness. Hear us for Christ's sake. Amen. The Old Testament lesson is recorded in 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning at the 17th verse. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times, and cried out to the Lord, and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child, and brought him down from the upper room into the house, and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Here ends the Old Testament lesson. The epistle is recorded in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the third chapter beginning at the 13th verse. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly ab abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The Holy Gospel is recorded in the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 7th chapter, beginning at the 11th verse. Now it happened 
the day after, that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. O Lord, great prophet in word and deed, visit us with your redemption, heal our diseases, cleanse us from our sins, and give us hope in the resurrection of the dead, that by your holy inspiration we may glorify you and serve you in confidence and peace. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Our sermon text is recorded in 1 Kings chapter 17. Let us hear again verses 23 and 24 in Jesus' name. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Fellow redeemed, have you ever been watering the garden when the water stopped flowing? I'd imagine that when such a thing happens, you try to see what's preventing the water from flowing. There could be a kink in the hose, or maybe somebody came and turned off the spigot. When the Israelites found themselves in the midst of a drought, they should have looked to the source of the rain and discerned what was preventing the water from flowing. They could have learned from God's prophet Elijah that God was calling them to repent of their idolatries. In Baal, Israel had come to believe was life. Baal was the Canaanite god responsible for the weather. He sent rain and with rain crops and with crops life. So what was happening? For over three years at the word of Yahweh, the Lord, the God of Israel, it didn't rain. No rain, no crops, widespread starvation and death. Elijah, the prophet of Yahweh, had miraculously preserved life for a widow and her son, even though she was a Canaanite, even though it was her God who was so miserably failing. But now the widow's son had died, not of starvation, but of illness. So who was the widow to believe? Who was responsible for her son's death? Who brought life? 
She wishes she'd never met Elijah, that she he'd taken his words from Yahweh somewhere else. What do you have against me? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? In our times of grief, we ask similar questions. How could a good God let this happen? Is God angry with me? Is there life beyond the grave? Yet God provides an answer. The word of God brings life. Our text begins with the words, Now it happened after these things. These words tell us that there's a backstory. Elijah the prophet was a man on the run. Israel had broken God's covenant, and breaking the covenant brings a curse. This was a time when most people in Israel were worshiping idols instead of the true God. So God sent Elijah to the wicked king Ahab to speak the word of God, a message of judgment to those who have forsaken the voice of God. God was going to give these people what they deserved for chasing after false gods. God was going to keep it from raining for the next several years. As a result, there was little food and no water in the whole area. The famine in the land leads to death. But Elijah speaks a message of mercy to a widow who does not know God's voice. When we first meet the widow and her son, they are on the verge of starving to death, about to eat their last meal. Their cupboard was bare. But what does Elijah do? Elijah asked the widow for a drink. As she went to get some water, he said, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. The drought brings hopelessness. At this point, Elijah, acting as God's spokesman, makes an amazing promise to the widow. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. This promise called on the widow to trust in God's word alone, when it was the opposite of what her eyes told her was true. This is an example of faith, as defined in Hebrews 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. On the strength of the prophet's promise alone, she used up her the last of her flour and oil to make him a meal. God kept his word spoken by his prophet, providing food every day for this widow, her son, and their house guest Elijah. This continued on for many days, and all seemed to be going well for them, until suddenly the widow's son became seriously ill. Soon he died. Talk about disasters. First possible starvation, then the unexpected death of a son. How tragic, how traumatic. Blinded by grief, the widow said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? She wondered why the God who promised life brought death to her household. 
After all, she had trusted God's promise to sustain her life and the life of her son until he sent rain upon the land. What had she done to deserve this? She figured she must have done something to make God angry with her uh, that he was now punishing her for. Her loss drove home to her the powerful presence of God and her failure to measure up to God's standards, filling her heart with dread. The widow's response to her son's death is not unusual. Anger is one of the stages of grief. This widow directed her anger toward God and his prophet. Then anger gave way to guilt. She wondered whether her son's death was God's punishment for a particular sin in her past. However, the Bible assures us that this is not how God deals with his people, those who trust in Jesus as their Savior. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When Jesus healed the man born blind, he said that the man wasn't born blind because of any specific sin of his or his parents, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is also the case in our text. When misfortune comes to us, we never know God's particular explanation, but every hardship or sadness should be a reminder to us that we live in a world broken by sin. Adam's sin, Eve's sin, our sin. There is a direct connection between sin and death. Death was not part of God's original intent for the world he had made. Death is not a natural part of life, part of the so-called circle of life. Rather, sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Sickness and death are constant reminders that we live in a sinful world, that the perfection of Eden is gone, that we personally need a savior from sin. And then we can rejoice that God is constantly picking up the pieces of our broken world, bringing us through every misfortune because Jesus has died for the sins that broke it. The word of God brings life. Elijah's coming was not to bring death, but hope. The prophet is the widow's mediator with Yahweh to give what Yahweh truly wills to give. Yahweh's proper work is to give, sustain, and restore the breath of life. Elijah responded to the woman's anger with gentleness. Elijah said, give me your son. The widow gives her son to Elijah. And Elijah carried him upstairs to his bedroom, laid him on his own bed, and prayed, O Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? When my car breaks down, I go to someone who can fix it. Because we live in a fallen world, our bodies are broken and finally will die. God is the only one who can fix it by dying himself for the cause. 
in spite of the plain evidence of death that Elijah sees laid out on the bed before him, he chooses to close his eyes and trust God's word as truer than anything he sees or feels. Elijah dares to believe that the God who in judgment sent drought and famine on the land was a merciful God who could be appealed to on the basis of his love. Elijah cries out to Yahweh. Stretching himself out on the boy three times, Elijah makes a bold request. O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. Elijah asked God to perform a work such as the world had never seen before. The boy died when his soul left his body, when there was no breath left in him. Elijah asked God to raise that boy from the dead, to join the boy's soul and body together again. Yahweh heard the prayer of the mediator Elijah and restores the boy's life. God makes life where there is no life, giving life to the dead. God does his work in the unlikeliest of places and in the unlikeliest of ways. God's grace is amazing, and when it no longer seems so to us, then we no longer know it. God, who is the source of all life, who gave life to Adam at the beginning of time, gave new life to the dead body lying on Elijah's bed. Elijah takes the boy and brings him back to his mother and says, Look, your son is alive. The word of God brings life. The Lord, who is the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Look, your son is alive, Elijah could announce. God's spokesman in the New Testament can announce something even greater. We can tell those who grieve, look, God's son is alive. His death was payment for sin. His resurrection proves that even death has lost its sting. Jesus has taken care of the cause of death, our sin upon himself, so that we are forgiven. Jesus has taken the penalty of sin, our death, upon himself, so that we do not die eternally. Through faith, Jesus shares his victory over death, his resurrection with us, so that even though we die, yet shall we live. Now the widow knows whose words she can believe. Now she knows Elijah's true purpose in bringing the Lord's word to her home. Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. This great miracle of faith God in his mercy creates in the unlikeliest of places the sinful human heart. This is no less a miracle than calling the dead back to life. By nature, we are dead in trespasses and sin. Yet through the word, the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, creates in us a new heart, calling us to faith. Through this same life-giving word, Jesus, the greatest prophet of all, said, 
I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He demonstrated that good purpose by great acts of love and mercy, restoring sight to the blind, life to the dead, and preaching the gospel of God's love to the poor. Because Jesus' disciples witnessed Jesus' powerful words and deeds, they put their faith in him. And knowing him, truly they found life in his name. We are suffering worse than drought and hunger. Because of sin, we also face death. Death brings us hopelessness. But Jesus comes to us in our day to bring hope. Jesus overcame death by his cross and resurrection. Then in the sacrament comes yet another giving and taking. Jesus gives us his body to eat. We take it, and sins are remembered no more. Jesus restores both our body and soul. In his word, he assures us that he is the resurrection and the life. On the last day, we will all hear his voice calling us out of the grave. Those who believe in him, even though they die, they shall live. Through faith, we are able to say with the widow, Now I know that the word of the Lord is truth. I know that all of scripture, all of his promises are true. They are mine, and nobody can take them from me. May we, by God's grace, come to live in the certainty of faith through our crosses and trials. The word of God brings life. In this confidence of faith, we will then ever be ready for tomorrow and the next day and the next until we finally rest in the unending day of heaven. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, as now, and will be forever. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, life creator, you have power over death and cause life to rise from what is death and decay. To you be praise for Nain's miracle and all the miracles where life is victor over death. Death is our common guest. The earth is a cemetery, and the dust we walk on mingles with the dust of those who have gone on before. Yet when it comes to claim a loved one, we need your presence and your promise. Come to us, not just to comfort and to share our loss, but to change our processions of death into marches of life. In those moments when death comes, you are most real. Bless us with spiritual life, you who alone have power over death and can raise us up for life eternal. The raising of the widow's son is a picture of our daily life. Our souls are dead in trespasses and sins. Into our lives you come. You narrow things, squeeze them into crisis moments until only one thing matters, your love for us. Into those moments you come with redemption, renewal, and with power to raise us out of death to life. We rejoice that in this world of sin and tears and dissolution, there is a procession of life, and we rejoice that we are in it. We praise you that your Son, Christ Jesus, still raises the dead. There was power in his words when he said, Arise. There was power in his words when he commanded Lazarus, Come forth. There was power in his words when he whispered, Thy sins be forgiven thee. There is power in the word 
of that same Lord when he speaks comfort, rescued, renewal today to us, to all. Help us to feel the power of Christ for healing and for strength. Give us new life in body and in spirit. Be the strong triumph over death for all who mourn. Make them indeed, make all of us part of the procession of life that leads us to the promised land. We pray in Jesus' strong name, who taught us to come to you, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.